baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. All right, no copyright infringements there. That's actually Randy Bachman, I'm told, from BTO singing Taking Care of Christmas. Maybe my second favorite Christmas song after Springsteen, Santa Claus is Coming to Town. Uh, Joining me now on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline is Minnesota Governor Tim Walz. Governor Walz, how are you this morning? I'm well, Tom. How about you? I I was wondering if that was Randy Bachman. I had not heard that one before, so nice lead in. Nice bump. You'll have to download that one. It's a a great one. Randy Bachman, uh, the inimitable uh, Randy Bachman. Well, happy holidays, Governor, to you and your family. We'll talk some, you know, hard-hitting journalism here in a minute. But first, I've got to ask you, this is your first holiday, not in the governor's residence, but in East Cliff, temporary residence at the U of M. And I understand you have... Uh, a new home and a new cat. We do. Um, as you, maybe your listeners know, we had a, a long time cat, a big guy named Afton, and uh, he decided he's out on his own. I, he's out there uh, taking care of himself, but uh, he has not come back. So uh, we adopted from the Humane Society uh, a cute little kitty uh, named Honey, and uh, she is living in this big house now. So it's uh, it, it's pretty fun. Sleeps under the Christmas tree, so it's pretty cute. So you have a cat and a dog. So cats and dogs. Living together, we literally. We do. And, and <laughs> in harmony. Well, somewhat. They're frenemies. So, yeah, they're fine. <laughs> well, you're, you're used to a lack of harmony because you work at the state capitol. So you know what that's, what that's all about. Uh, it's yes, like, yes, yes. It's yes. like cats and dogs at the state capitol. Uh, now, later today, you're going to be highlighting uh, the $300 million that was uh, yeah. approved by the legislature and signed into law by you that will go – to local law enforcement. I recall during the debate, some wanted much more. Some thought this was about right. Where is this money going to go? Because law enforcement is top of mind for many Minnesotans. Yeah, I proposed more. And I think when Minnesotans think, you know, how did how did budget money get spent or whatever, this was a big part of it. This is in addition to the local government aid increases that um, 
that went to local communities. This will go to directly to communities and it'll go directly to counties. And the reason that I advocated for this was is that the public safety needs are not the same in every single community. And the folks who know best are those folks on the ground, whether it's, uh, you know, purchasing new equipment for uh, for firefighters, whether it's EMTs or whether it's hiring police officers, which we know are staffed in many communities and it's hard to fill. So I'm, I'm proud of this. I, you know, I, I think it's a it's a good first start. Communities will use this wisely by their local leadership. And, you know, we've seen some trends, but we're still not on top of this yet. There's too many guns on the streets, still too much of this. And I think these local folks can use these funds. Is there enough money going to local law enforcement to help them recruit more officers? I'm sure you've been following the debate where they've been trying to do some creative ways to recruit police officers and the city council so far having no part of that. Uh, It's very difficult, but it's so important because so many police departments are just strapped. It is. And, you know, and it, it's different. Like I say, it's different in these places. Up in Ely, you get a you get a Kevlar canoe, uh, Winona canoe. Um, some people are kind of say, look, these are things when you're a young person, you're going into a job, you're choosing where you want to live. This is tough work. And I think one of the things is, is that we're trying to make sure that we're all around these police officers. I do think in many cases, you just need to hire more officers. In other places, they need more support with them, whether that's mental health counselors or come in January 1st, they're going to have red flag protective orders. Get some of the handguns out of some of these folks who are just unstable. They petition to the court, they can get their rights back. But the police will tell you there's just too many guns. They're modified. Um and and so I think we're going to continue, and I say this as the state, to try and make sure local folks are making those decisions. We're focusing on it at the state level on the five high-need jobs that we need across the state, healthcare, teachers, firefighters, all those. COVID added to that, the stress of the job. So I think this is a good start, but I certainly believe we're probably going to have to continue to come and incentivize this. And, and I would encourage young folks or folks who are thinking of careers, this is noble work, and um, we certainly need you. And again, the canoe reference, of course, the city of Ely offering a free canoe to anyone who will come and be a police officer up there. It's one of the many creative things that local law enforcement is doing to try to recruit police officers. Now, on another topic, uh, first of the year, uh, new sick and safe time laws will go into effect. How is that going to impact uh, Minnesotans? Well, I think it'll have it like you and I, Tom, you probably have jobs as a teacher and stuff that you have sickly built up. You, you get the flu or your child's home sick or whatever. You're able to stay with them. And then it comes out of the bank that you have in that. Not all Minnesotans have that before January 1st. They will. Um, when people talk about they kind of confuse the two paid family and medical leave is for long term leaves. In addition to that, maternity, paternity leave, things like that. The vast majority of leave, 70 uh, percent plus or five days or less, they fall into this category. And so the impact will be is that folks will no longer have to worry about losing that paycheck um, if they're sick. They, you know, the one thing is we certainly don't want you going to school or to work sick. Um, and it's hard for parents who don't have any to take care of their kids if they don't go to school. So where we see this working, I, I think what it does is it, it certainly brings quality of life to folks. And this is the type of leave that the vast majority of people will use. And now let's talk about the budget. A couple of weeks ago, we had kind of a, a good news, not so good news, or good news, bad news scenario. For the next two years, yeah. the state has a little bit of a surplus, not as big as we've had, a projected surplus, $2.5 billion. And then in the following two years, uh, about the equal size uh, deficit, yeah. or as your administration called it, the structural imbalance, uh, is 
Is that a, a concern when you go into the legislative session? Yeah. There's not a lot of wiggle room there to spend any no. more money because almost everything that was approved last session is turning out to be more expensive than anticipated. Well, first of all, Tom, most of the stuff that was implemented last session isn't even being factored yet. Um, I know you have school meals, which is a good problem. More kids are using it. But I, I think an answer to your question is the reason it's called a structural deficit is not to mask anything. We're doing for the first time in Minnesota history factoring in inflation into that $880 million inflation. So you get an accurate picture. The reason it's called a structural deficit is there's no budget around it yet. The budget runs for the next two years. That's what we're budgeted for, and that's what the law requires. We're projecting out to 26, 27. But your point is well taken. Um, we have about 2.5 billion on the bottom line. That's after Social Security tax cuts, investing in lead pipe removal, school lunches, and the things that we talked about last session. Um, and if you project it out at the current rate we go, that would come up $2.5 billion short. I think many of your listeners would say, look, just use what you have this year to offset that and you're even. I actually think sometimes it's as simple as that. And so what I'm telling friends is, look, we implemented a lot of good things. In addition to all of this, we have the largest rainy day funds per capita in the country. We have over three and a half billion setting in the rainy day. Funds. But I think what's prudent this session is, is let's enact what we have done. Let's make sure that we clean up things that need to be adjusted. And all we simply need to do is stay within our means on that. And then the four years is balanced out. I've done it for five years. We've turned projected $4 billion surplus or deficits into surpluses. And I think the message here is stay the course. We're seeing good economic numbers from international trade, to unemployment rates, to population growth. We're seeing investments like the Mayo Clinic at $5 billion, Helene, a Canadian company on solar panels. Stay the course, but I'm just going to say this. Now is not the time to uh, to spend into that. Let's implement what we have, and, and I think this is a pretty simple fix. Our guest is Governor Tim Walls. We have a few minutes remaining with him on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. You know, inflation is coming down, but the problem is that those higher prices are kind of now baked into the equation. So even though uh, prices are not accelerating at the same rate they were, prices are still higher and going to remain higher. That is true of when you and I go to the grocery store or when the state buys goods and services. So are you going to urge the legislature to be cautious when they propose more spending to realize that a lot of these things are going to cost more than maybe they anticipate they're going to? Yeah, amen to that, Tom. And I think this is the message. It's why I push so hard on this. And, and your listeners are probably thinking, are you kidding me that we budgeted out and didn't factor in inflation? Inflation has always been here. It's usually been around 2%. People took notice when it was 10% after the pandemic. Now it's still down to about 3%. We should have been factoring in at 2% because something, you know, that cost a dollar was up 2% the next year. And if you factor that by a billion, you start to see where it's an impact. And so uh, I'm glad now that it's out there. It's full transparency. And and what you said was exactly my message to folks. Look, we implemented, we've got a lot of great plans. They're coming online on January 1st. We have a lot of work to do. This is not a budget year. This is a supplemental budget year. We have enough money to do a bonding bill, which is roads and bridges and water treatment plants and public safety buildings across the state. Um, and, and let's do that. And and the issue on this is, is again, the state is creating surpluses. We cut taxes for the bulk of people, whether that's the child tax credit, whether it's Social Security tax cuts. Um, let's let this thing bake here. Let's go through this supplemental budget cycle in a responsible manner. And um, 
And, and that's what these rating agencies and that's what businesses are looking at. We're focusing on workforce development. We're focusing on building infrastructure, replacing bridges, making sure water treatment plants are there. Those are all jobs, but we're also making sure that we stay within our means. So we did that. We're there. I think you're going to see the story that I was said was going to be told. Remember that after this year, spending in the state does go down significantly because a lot of this was one-time spending. Um, now, the question will be is there, how do you maintain the services that you have? Um, and that's what the legislature does. So look, that projected out, that needs to be discussed in the 2025 budget cycle, but it will be addressed by all the things we're doing this year. So I think we get to February. Those are the hard numbers. We'll see where that's at. But I, my message to the legislature is, this is a supplemental budget year that should focus on the bonding bill and some of the policy language. It starts late. It does not get going until February. Um, let's do those weeks, get done, and, and, and let Minnesota continue to grow. And I think we all know that while spending is projected to go down, once you give departments and agencies money, there's this expectation that that money continues. So you're going to have to temper their enthusiasm, I imagine, uh, to make that happen. Uh, Governor, one last thing. That's a fair assessment. Anything new on a director of cannabis management? No, I I have a new uh, director of Veterans Affairs, Brad Lindsay, over there that we put in. Um, We've got uh, Max Zappia came over to us as a as a regulator. And then, of course, Charlene Briner is running it. I had a pretty big uh, briefing about two hours yesterday on on the things that are being implemented from licensing, from timelines uh, to streamlining the uh, the supply chain around cannabis and cannabis licensing. And uh, I think now the biggest thing that I focused on is, is that that director will manage things as get there. The experts that are helping build this up are getting that done. So I'm now focused on it's much more important to get it right than to get it done right away. It took us a little while with um, outgoing Commissioner Larry Herkey uh, retiring over at VA, but I got the right guy, Brad, who um, I think that's how we're thinking about cannabis management. Let, let's let's get it right, continue to do the work, um, and hopefully we get something here in the near future. And no concern that that's going to delay implementation of any of that on the cannabis no. management side? No, no, and I think the pub, no, that's a great question, and I think the public should think about that, just like many things. When you have an interim director like Charlene Briner is a well-known quantity, I think, Republicans even have that respect. We try to get some of these people in there who have done this before. They're willing to step back into public service to do great work. Um, and I just have to tell you, I'm I'm very focused on this. And I said anything that deals with cannabis now, I get briefed immediately and first. Uh, they spent time yesterday afternoon. I left that meeting confident that they're in the right space. And because too, I'm I worry about this. I think public has every right to be a bit concerned about it. I am glad, and I want to thank the Minnesota Department of Agriculture with support from the Minnesota Department of Health. They're the ones that went out and did these uh, these spot checks. We've got people out there showing things that are way above the limit for people and are not good. And I would just put that caution out there. I want to thank those folks. One thing is, is that um, they just don't have the inspectors to go through all 3,000 places, but... Um, we need to continue to do that. People expect their food to be safe. They expect their restaurants to be clean. They expect when they pump gas, if they pay for a gallon, they get a gallon. These are all the things that the state does. If you're going to buy a cannabis product on there, it darn sure better be the legal limit of what's out there. So on that, I'm confident we're getting that piece of it. And um, that's right now for me is the main thing. Yeah, it is a major new law. And of course, implementation and enforcement, very important. Governor Tim Walz, thank you so much for joining us. Merry Christmas to you and your family. I hope you have a great holiday season. Merry Christmas to you, Tom. Hope to see you soon. All right. I will see you soon. Governor Tim Walz joining us on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. 
Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app.